Kia ora and welcome to Jules from NZ, a podcast from a Kiwi chick, chocker with roleplay gaming chat and world lore of the most fantasy place ever, Aotearoa, New Zealand. Chur. Kia ora, tēnā koutou katoa. Hello and welcome back to all of you to Jules from NZ. Kei te pehe koutou, how are you all? Well, how am I? Okay, uh, I am out of isolation uh, today as of recording. Uh, I have spent the last seven days in isolation because my flatmate caught COVID positive. Um, and we have been avoiding her like she had the plague. Because um, <laughs> she basically did. Um, and we were very, both very keen to not get COVID and get back to work. So I'm very excited. But what you're about to hear is the culmination of me being bored at home and recording a bunch of stuff about New Zealand, um, about a road that opened and why we were very excited about it. We've also got Haven's Diary from The Wrath of the Righteous, a bunch of call-ins, and then right at the end is what you're actually here for, of course, is more pony play. Um, But yeah, so I have been busy researching and recording stuff to tell you all about, and I realize that now, um, as I'm putting the episode all together and all of these pieces, it's quite long. Um, so I'm going to try it and stay out of the way of it as much as possible um, and just let you get on and hear it. So what you're going to hear uh, up first is Jill's giving you some updates about what's happening here in New Zealand, some various news nuggets um, for you, and then we're going to get on and tell you about the road that we opened yesterday and why it was so exciting. So I'll let Pastorals get on with it. Enjoy this episode. Bye. News Nuggets. So I haven't talked to you about Aotearoa New Zealand events for a while and I thought it was about time maybe I did again. Uh, and I thought, mm, I there's lots of things I wanted to share with you, lots and lots and lots. Actually, way too many. I've made this massive list. Um, but I thought what I would start with is just giving you a little bit of a snippet of uh, my weekly news reading because I always find it really entertaining, so I thought that you might too. Um, it's a little bit of a bit of everything, some sad, some happy, some crazy. Uh, and um, yeah, let me just kind of tell you about it. All right, so um, one of the craziest things I read, I reckon, um, there's definitely something crazier, but that's coming later, uh, is a Dunedin councillor. So some, somebody on the Dunedin council goes to court over a $12 parking ticket. Uh, and his court bill is up to now 42372 <laughs> Yep. So he got a $12 parking ticket basically because he was arguing with the parking warden about what the timing meant, you know, like there was a little bit of vague inconsistency or something like that. Or maybe just because he was a Dunedin councillor, he thought he knew better and wouldn't get a ticket. You know, either way, you can see both sides happening. (laughs) But anyway, he was a bit rude uh, and a bit not nice to this parking warden who issued the ticket. And um, when he went to fight about the parking ticket, that came up. And so he um, 
he tried to abuse his position of power basically by going over this parking warden's head and going right to the person who like you know does the parking uh tickets and stuff and was like hey so do you know who i am can we like make this bill go away and they were like yeah nah because you were a dick to my employees so um he he has been ordered to pay it uh and then he went back again back to court again which is why his court bills are so high crazy right why why wouldn't you just pay the 12 dollars <laughs> i don't know people in new zealand people all over the world are crazy anyway there were massive floods in the north um that happened really recently like um gisborne was completely taken out uh and and i have uh, a friend slash um a podcasting friend who's up there um it completely cut off gisborne from the rest of the new zealand even though it didn't cut them off because they put sand all over their farm because they're smart um but it took out a fishing charter ship completely like a, a guy who was like super expert at sailing his ship everywhere and it completely took him out there were like five dead people um and coast guard were working inland to rescue people from like their houses so coast guard on their boats and stuff were sailing around on land to rescue people which kind of gives you the indication of the crazy floods and stuff so you know, New Zealand, we're at risk from tsunamis and floods and stuff because we're an island. God damn it. Take global warming seriously. Anyway, uh, COVID is still big news. So let's just skim over some of that. Um, daily, my notifications are still like 50% COVID related, but there is something worth mentioning. The mandates are actually loosening. So man- vaccine passes won't be requirements from um, April 5th. And um, the mandates are narrowed to cover like health, aged care, corrections, border workers, that kind of stuff. So uh, they're still required to have them um, and have their vaccine, but not everybody else is. Um, and, and outdoor gatherings are limited, being limited are basically done. Um, so you can have as many outdoor people as you like and indoor is moving to 200. So um, that's pretty pretty cool for our hospo friends because I know that the bars and the restaurants and the cafes and all of those people have been really suffering. So I think that's what this is intended to do to get people to go back to those places and, and support our businesses again, before we lose them completely. There are so many empty buildings popping up because people just can't afford to live the way that they've been living, which is really sad. So, um, QR scanning is done. Uh, apparently like you can still do it if you want, but then the app's going to go offline soon. I, I don't really know how that works. Um, but you don't, you aren't required to basically anymore. Basically you need to look after yourself and where you are and who you've been around. And it's your responsibility now because they're not going to be tracking it because it's kind of everywhere anyway. It's kind of a loose cannon now. Um, and masks are not needed outdoors. And the traffic light setting of red, like where we have been with all of these restrictions and stuff, is being reassessed on April 4th, which is only a few days away. Uh, So I guess we'll see if we're out of those kind of restrictions and into like a, a whole new world. So one of the big reasons they've done it um is because of all the people who are so heavily anti-mandate and and the 
the pain and the suffering that they've been experiencing as they they find that people aren't understanding and not just aren't understanding but pushing them actively away calling them crazy conspiracy theories and all of that kind of stuff we we have um a whole section of people i mean i'm sure that these people exist all over the world who are just disenfranchised now like they 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 feel hard done by they feel angry at everyone because they feel like they made a choice and they've been punished because of it not like their choice was their own to make but more like they made a choice and we don't respect it you know it's sort of how they've been made to feel and and while i get that because i sort of don't respect it and i think you should have just got the vaccine but I'm, i'm trying to really fix that in my brain because that is an impulsive fear reaction maybe you know i wanted everybody to be vaccinated around me so that i would feel safe and is that fear i don't know i'm still kind of working it through in my brain i mean it would be fairer i think you know to 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 have everybody have done it of their own choice sure I would feel safer for a lot of the immunocompromised people around me that I adore and I want them to be okay. Um, it, it is a complicated subject the more you actually think about it and try to reach out to those people. And I know we have been trying to reach out to those people and they've been calling us idiots and sheep and, and it does not make you feel very nice towards them and you kind of want to say things like, fine, have at it, get COVID. But you can't say that kind of thing to those people because it's actually not why we started this journey in the first place. We all started vaccinating ourselves to protect each other. And and it hasn't necessarily worked. So now is the time to reassess what we do now to protect those people who are scared. Who Because most of the time, that's the reason they're not doing it. They are terrified for whatever reason. For a dumb reason maybe that somebody put in their head that you can clearly prove wrong with science, maybe. But they are still scared and they're reaching for something to tell them that it's okay to not do it. So... What we're doing right now is not working, so we're kind of releasing a lot of that. So what does it mean for, like, me? Um, no more fumbling for my with my phone in doorways everywhere anymore. Um, uh, like, maybe more seats in my local bar because we're there are a lot more people, so there'll be more seats. So that'll be nice. Uh, maybe even dancing in my local bar, so that'll be pretty cool. Um, For the unvaccinated who have fought and been labelled a lot of things, the fight is nearly over for them. And I think a lot of them are feeling relieved. Now, a lot of them are feeling like they won something, which kind of makes me cross again, but I'm really trying to wrestle with that in my brain as well, because they haven't won anything. They've lost so much that we're just trying to get them to come back, you know? And I think... I need to remember that when somebody says to me, ha, we won, um, to just kind of not react in an angry kind of way back to that and just think about bringing them home. Yeah. Um, I haven't talked about the protests that happened in Wellington, which was big news here, and I didn't mention it at all really on my podcast, but I, I, I didn't mention it for lots of reasons. One, I didn't want to give it my breath. Um it was the wrong way to go about things and I just didn't want to support it in any kind of way. Two, I was really angry about it. 
Um, I was angry about what they were saying and what they were doing and how they were treating people and how they were treating the the parliamentary grounds and and a lot of I was angry about a lot of it and I had to work through all of that you know and three because it was just like the US and I I think that one hurt the most you know I just thought we were better than that and I was just disappointed in New Zealand for how we were handling it you know and four you know what, there's a lot of real shit going on elsewhere that was way more important and way more grave and that needed the voices to be heard. And I just didn't really have anything to say on those topics because I just, well, I don't know enough to speak on those topics. So I just didn't say anything about the things that I thought were less important. So maybe that was wrong of me. But, and if you're interested in what happened in the New Zealand protests, I'm happy to talk to you about it, but I don't think I'll be putting out a podcast about it anytime soon. So anyway, moving on from COVID, because I've already spent 10 minutes talking about news and most of it, again, 50% of it, COVID. Anyway, uh, New Zealand is screwed with rising costs lately, uh, with increased interest and general inflation estimations, household costs look to be increasing by about $150 per week which isn't a big deal for those of us who are like earning two incomes and sustaining households and things, and that's fine, um, but is a big deal for some people who are on the bones of their butt already and then are being asked to basically pay more. And, we, and we're seeing these things in like power and, and, and those kind of costs, grocery costs, you know, it, it's not even avoidable costs. It's not like I can cut out my coffees and turn off my Netflix, you know, it's just not it's not those kind of costs so um yeah yeah uh i want to talk about the top twins but i'm gonna save them for a a episode because the top twins are these crazy awesome entertainers um they're like country yodels singers but comedians who did tv series and all sorts of um, music albums um they they like cross-dress, um, they play different characters. Yes, they're lesbians and they were one of the first probably les- openly lesbian people on TV here in New Zealand, so a big deal. Um, they're kind of awesome. So I want to do a proper episode on them and talk about them, but the reason I'm bringing them up is because I am sad for them. They uh, recently were announced to both have breast cancer and Jules is one of the top twins, has actually had breast cancer and suffered with it before. So this isn't their first rodeo supporting each other through this. And I just really feel for them on it. It it sucks. It sucks um, for good people to have bad things continually happen to them. But um, what I want to do is remember them the awesome way that they were. Um, um, They are. God, they were. Um, they're talking about performing until the lights go out is, is their latest interview. And it just, you know, really tugged at my heart and, um, made me feel for them. So I want to talk about them, um, soon. I'm going to do a whole episode on them because they deserve that. Um, and the last thing I'm going to share with you, um, is a crazy piece of news that I read, uh, recently, um, about (laughs) New Zealand, um, air traffic controller. Um, so let me read you the the headline of this because stuff doesn't really do sensationalist headlines. It's it's not usually like that. I mean, yes, they do it a little bit to get us to click on things, right? 
But this one here says, air traffic controller sacked for having sex at work wins license back. And I was like, okay, you've got me. I'm clicking. Uh, <laughs> so, so basically, this air traffic controller, he lost his job because an investigation went into the sexual activity he's been having behind his wife's back um, and found that he was handcuffed to a chair and involved in sexual activity while giving instructions to pilots. Um, but basically what, what has actually happened now is um, it turns out that the relationship he was having with this woman ended really badly because affairs always do. Don't cheat on your partners. That's a shitty thing to do. Don't do it. Ends badly like this. So um, uh, it ended badly. She basically was like, I'm going to ruin your life if you don't give me $50,000 because you've got lots of money and stuff. And he was like, well, I'm not going to do that. So she ruined his life. Uh, and she filed a report about the fact that she had been having sex with him while he was doing instructions to pilots and stuff, which obviously is bad. Don't do that. So, um, but it turns out that's not actually the case. They definitely had sex in the tower, but it was like on one of his breaks. Um, it's That's not good, by the way. Still don't do that. But like she lied about a bit of it, but sounds like. Um, and they definitely had like all sorts of bondage and crazy handcuff sex, often hotels where that, that stuff can and should happen because it's good fun. You should try it. Um, so all of it was kind of true, but none of it was like true together. And even the judges had a really hard time trying to figure out what has actually happened because he said somewhere in this article, and I loved it, um, oh, God, I'm going to have to paraphrase. But basically um, he was like due to – um, both of them, oh, the narrative of their affair shows that both of them are capable of sustained deceit. And he basically just believed that things were inherently plausible um, instead of, because both of them are denying each other's like stories, right? So he had to just go, well, what's plausible? Um, <laughs> that's a crazy thing. So he basically ruled that he'd been hard done by by this chick. The guy had made stupid decisions, yes, um, but he hadn't done what she was originally accusing him of and therefore he shouldn't have lost his license in the first place. He's probably going to struggle to get a good, decent job in the future anyway, but, you know, you should lose your jobs for what you actually do, not what somebody says that you do. So how's that for a piece of New Zealand news? Yeah, did you think we could get that saucy? Mm, that's right, New Zealand's got sauce, buddy. All right, <laughs> I have no idea what section's next and how it's going to top that, but something coming up next. <laughs> I'll let Julia take it away. Treasures from the Vault. So I need to talk to you today about a road. A road that is opened. A road that is opened and so exciting that people are live streaming driving on it. There is, it is all over the news. It is all over social media. Everyone is taking special trips out of their house to drive on the new road. Here in Wellington, anyway. What is this road? What is this super exciting and crazy amazing? Is it? Is it something, some special type of road? No, no. It's Transmission Gully. Te Aranui o Te Rangi Hai Aita, I think. Ah, uh, 
or something like that. Someone can correct my Māori. But I, uh, I've done my best. I haven't actually heard it been spoken about hilariously. Um, everybody's just calling it TG uh, or Transmission Gully, obviously. So why why is this road so exciting? It's just a motorway. It's just got bridges and roads and 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 it's grey and stuff. Cars go on it like normal. Um, I need to tell you a big old story. Starting over a 100 years ago, where this road began. So in 1919, a motorway was proposed by Otaki MP William Field. And it was proposed basically to cut maybe like 12 minutes off your journey. Genuinely, 12 minutes. (laughs) But uh, make the journey a lot safer, which is where the real key thing comes in. It avoids a couple of um, really unsafe pieces of road and um, hopefully makes things uh, less accidenty, uh, is the idea. So he proposed it in 1919. And in 1924, a 110,000-volt transmission line was laid giving the gully its name. That's how it came to be. So in 1995, years later, estimates for it came in at about $160 million because of all the earthworks that were needed to be made as well as, you know, property that might need to be moved or whatever. They A lot of the time in the middle of of um, 1924 and 1995 was sort of waiting for people to sell things and move things and get permissions and grants and yeah there was a lot that was going on in the background there but anyway they they started doing you know proper thinking about it in 1995 and in 2012 the NZTA was told to consider a public-private partnership largely because yes it was in the budget and yes, they were looking to do it. But a massive thing had just happened in New Zealand, which was taking a lot of its money, the Christchurch earthquake. And so with the costs being an estimate now of like $850 million, there just really wasn't the money in the budget for that. So in 2014, the Wellington Gateway Partnership has begun and construction crews were actually hired and a soil turning ceremony takes place under Prime Minister John Key. That's right. He's trying to claim that he was the one who pushed this forward and made this happen, right? Even though it has been in the works and in the planning and in thoughts for a long time already. Anyway, so in 2015, Earthworks actually began. There was enough dirt to fill the Sky Stadium, which is a pretty standard size, big old sports stadium with crazy seating up. And, and I don't even think, yeah, is it called the, yeah, it's called the Sky Stadium. Um, two and 2.7 times. So nearly three times over was how much dirt we moved. Three times a big old sports stadium full of dirt uh, is how much we had to move to make this this project happened. So that kind of tells you about the scale of it, right? So in 2016, the Kaikoura earthquake hits and there is a season of torrential rain and the first hint of trouble happens now. As delays are projected, it was going to be open in April 2020 and that is a crazy thing to think about when they were, you know, 
planning for this to happen back in 1995, they knew it wouldn't happen for years and years and years, you know. Um, But now it's looking like August 2020. Not a big deal. That's just a few months, right? Anyway, in 2019, NZTA, New Zealand Transport Authority, well, God, did I do that right? I think so. Basically, the people that run the roads here in New Zealand um, admits that there are more issues than previously let on. Uh, basically, some slopes need complete redesigning now with the with the way that the slips happened and, and all of that kind of stuff. It really stuffed up their earthworks. So they're kind of looking now at November 2020. Okay, still just a few months, right? Like, not a big deal. Still happening in 2020. In February 2020, costs are blown. Like, we're up to a million now. Um, And the press release just says, working hard to open before Christmas. You know, like, no dates, no projections, just a whole lot of, we're just working really hard on this, and please leave us alone, stop yelling at us and getting a date. You know, it's very much coming across as that. But I think we all know what happens now. March 2020, COVID. And so in August 2020, due to delays, costs balloon. Um, they've had to pay people, you know, things have had to happen. Um, so the project is now at $1.25 billion. The projection is that they'll open on September 2021. Um, and they even make it on the contract that there are penalties for lateness that are now like outlined. So you've got a fine of $7.5 million if they open late. And then there's um, an extra kind of fine of 250000 for every day it is late, which is crazy money, you know? So they're like, okay, we're going to open on this day in September 2021. I forget because I didn't write it down. Um, I think it's like the 27th of September 2021. Um, and if we're late, then we have to pay a lot of money right? So they were working pretty hard. November 2020 happens. The media do a drive-thru. Cute. Uh, The road is unsurfaced, so it's a super bumpy drive-thru, but the basic roads and bridges and things are complete. Uh, And they'll be finished soon, they say. The only thing they couldn't have seen coming was a lockdown. So in July... 2021 uh the paving is 94 percent complete and basically the government and and various other you know kind of people involved in the background of wanting transmission galley to just hurry the hell up honestly at this point um is it ever going to be done there is a lot of like it's really hard to express in a very short kind of (laughs) pace there's a lot of oh yeah transmission galley like you know, it's a pipe dream. It's it's never happening. It's like one of those projects that you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, sure. Like, you know, when hell freezes over. Um, You could almost say, oh, yeah, like when Transmission Gully is ever finished, you know. um, It's it's very much that kind of a thought here in, in Wellington. It's like we've stopped even considering what the the roads might be like or if, if – if we're ever going to be able to drive on them, it's more like, will my children be able to drive on them? You know, it's it, it, like that's kind of the mood. It's really hard to express how long we've been waiting for this thing to happen. So 
Yeah, so the paving is 94% complete in July 2021. And a cryptic warning to the builders regarding those agreed upon penalties to opening dates are released. And at this point, there has been no word from them if that's even a worry, right? But like, there was just a press release that went out was like, oh, but the penalties, you know, and um, everybody was like, wait, what? No, they're not going to be late again, are they? Uh, But, you know, things happened. So in August 2021, we're actually made aware by the Greater Wellington City Council that there are a lot of outstanding resource consents. Like there is a lot of paperwork not been signed off by the people who are supposed to say this road is safe for us to drive on, right? So yes, it might be built, but no, it has not been labeled as safe. So that's going to be a problem. But, you know, the builders are still like, yep, we're still on schedule. That's 7 September, definitely. Uh, But we're in August, right? So September rolls around. Yeah, nope. They say it's not happening and they don't even give us a new date, right? They just, they just go, yeah, nah. It's a very Kiwi thing to say, yeah, nah. Like we tried, uh, nah. So give up. Okay. So December 2021 rolls around and they just admit defeat on 2021. They just go, nah, (laughs) we've given up on Christmas too. It's not happening. I'm... you know, it kind of makes sense. There's no new date, sure, and there was another lockdown, you know. So I imagine it was incredibly hard for them to work around that, even though I know that they were given special permissions to be able to continue to work and they were granted different ways of, you know, being able to work in sort of a semi-isolation state. So even though you can't really do construction works by yourself, so, you know, there was teams um, and project teams and things operating. And yeah, there was a whole lot of work that went into that to make sure this road kept kept going. But there was just too many consents that were incomplete and they just couldn't get sign off on all of them and fix all the wee little problems. You know, like when house consents happen and they're like, oh, but that hole over there and that little piece over there, that could be something. And you've got to run around like spackle patching um all these little pieces that you're grumbling at the consent guy it's like not even a big deal but sure fine I'll fix it you know it's a lot of that kind of stuff as well so it's not big massive problems that we're seeing it's just like hey have you thought about this tiny little thing that could happen if this random natural event happens that probably won't happen but it could happen right so you should probably do something about that so you know a lot of work still to be completed and in February um, 2021, 2021. I've written 2020 on my notes, but I'm pretty sure Pastulia is just dumb. Oh, or 2022, you know, all that. Um, <laughs> we're in 2022. Okay. So 2022, <laughs> February, large sections of the road are torn up due to problems causing surface flooding being found. Like, so, so the road wasn't necessarily too much of a problem, but then those consents actually did turn up something. So basically the, the stuff that the road was made out of was um, found to be a little faulty, a little, little too much water kind of sit on the surface of it. Um, so they had to rip up those pieces and, and lay them back down again. And in March 2020, uh, a letter was leaked. Basically from the construction company being like, it's ready. And this was really early in March. 
And so when this was leaked to the media, it went everywhere and everybody was like, what? So it's ready and they're just not letting us drive on it? God's sake, this <laughs> New Zealand is crazy. Um, so we're all kind of chomping at the bit at this point. We're like not understanding how if it was ready, we we couldn't be using it. So and, and later in March, they actually released a second letter saying the same thing. So they'd already told the council that. Uh, or the city that, or the government that, I don't know who they were telling. Um, and um, and then they sent a second letter basically saying exactly the same thing, but made that sort of more public so the public could get behind them and be like, yeah, okay, this, this isn't false. Like this letter leaked isn't just, a, a, a you know, somebody leaking some conspiracy theory. Like this is genuine. So we're all asking the question, why aren't we allowed on the road? <laughs> so... Uh, today it opened, it really opened and, and, and it opened with a big old ceremony, you know, a big old massive deal and everybody's live streaming and tweeting and talking about it on social media. The road is really open. The thing that, that happened that we thought would never happen. And so it's kind of a crazy big deal. And how am I celebrating it? Stuck at home on my last day of isolation talking to you about it. <laughs> I can't write on it. I'm so upset because I'd love to have written on it and told you all about how awesome it is, um, even though it's just a road and it really shouldn't be that big of a deal. But now you know a little bit about why Transmission Gully is uh, important and uh, and should be a piece of your uh, very important uh, Wellington trip. When you come here to visit New Zealand. Oh, because, you know, borders are open now. So come on in. Hey, Jules, this is BJ from the Arcane Alienist. Uh, enjoying your latest episode. <laughs> you must play with different people than the ones I play with because uh, most of the people I play with would have wanted that cauldron for the express purposes of setting up a profit uh for profit in enterprise on the side of, of their adventuring careers um <laughs> there would be no generosity with with that magic cauldron it would be how much money can we make per day if we hire somebody to sit and spoon out stew while we complete our side adventures anyway um you know it's, it's a great episode I'm, I'm, i was um, interested to hear about icewind dale uh and sorry about your characters. I know that, that it's always tough to retire a character that you've really enjoyed playing, uh, particularly if that's um, what should be like the, the going out with a big bang. They just kind of end on a on a sour note. So you're doing your Icewind Dale uh, recap, and, and you talk about, you know, they're talking the hag and did a um, insight check. Joe and I recently played in a game of Rule Cyclopedia, which is an old one of the TSR versions of basic D&D. And it was run by Joe Salvador, Raven Guy Games. And the other player in that game, he had always wanted to play that edition, I guess, but he hadn't really played it. And anyway, we were there and we are interviewing this character in the game. Our characters were all there. And the other guy's like, can I do, a, do an insight check to see what else I can learn or if he's lying or anything? And, you know, of course, the DM's like, uh, nope, that doesn't exist in this game. He's like, oh, and um, anyway, we, it went through, and I'm sure Joe will talk about this on his podcast. And we had a lot of fun. But, yeah, it was kind of funny that, you know, he's like, well, can I do this? 
Uh, well, you can't roll a check, but you can ask them questions. So anyhow, take care. Aloha, Jules. This is Brian. It's been a while since I first called in and found your podcast. Uh, my podcast, have to look that up, has been on a bit of a a bit of a break, but I was very happy to see that new episodes of yours have been appearing in my feed. And I'll put this into a few parts because I won't make the cutoff. But first, like others, I'm very sorry to hear that your game experience turned out the way it did. I, I guess the, the big takeaway, and you've already hit on some, in that you'll have other characters, obviously other games, there's always more to play, but it, it is good from the sense that you're so invested in it. I know that emotionally and, and the experience was not pleasant this time, but I do think that it's great that you have such passion, and I, I find that that will hopefully carry you through it, so I uh, hope that you're doing better. Next one is coming up. Hey BJ, good to hear from you again. Yeah, my players, I don't think they've really decided what to do with it. It's kind of where they stuck it in the room with an alarm spell on it and just sort of went, we'll deal with that later. Um, But now that it's been stolen, their first step in that whole process is getting it back. They did decide that they were probably going to sell it. They just haven't decided what town to sell it to. And it's going to be pretty problematic now that somebody in Icewind Dale knows what it does. Unless they deal with that problem, basically. So I'm looking forward to seeing how they resolve that. Because I have no idea. But that's not my job. (laughs) That's theirs. Um, Yeah, and hey, Brian. Good to hear from you again. Really awesome to hear uh that you're over settled in Aussie um I forgot to mention last time and that we absolutely should arrange to get on a game sometime soon um and I wanted to say as well to be clear I have enjoyed the whole game like as a whole um the just that little bit at the ending really kind of bummed me out because I have been enjoying the game as a whole so much you know I think I was just super invested in it because I loved it like it's a treasure to me and it will be forever my time spent playing that character um is probably one of the best times of my life so um it definitely saved me from a whole lot of depression and stuff so I'm I guess that's why I'm just so bummed about her ending, you know, but that's okay. You also can't listen to it yet, so I shouldn't probably be talking about it. I'm sure my DM is going to kick my butt for putting out these episodes because um, it, they're like a month off being released, uh, the the Eisen episodes are. So um, if you're interested in hearing uh the ending or the lead up to the ending, please go over and check out Fate of Eisen's actual play. Um, It is a really good time. You can start from the latest chapter that just released in this weekend um, and you won't be missing out anything. We we always do recaps so our players can start at the beginning, um, our players, our listeners can start at the beginning of any chapter and sort of know what's going on. Um, Yeah. Yeah, so go over and check it out. Let me know if if I'm I'm just overreacting and being a big old drama queen. Um and Jason, yeah, no insight check. No insight check. Yeah, so, you know what? Sometimes I feel like insight check is a cheat. You know when they roll like lights out on an insight check and you're like, oh, "Okay. Well, there's no other way you could know this information, I guess, but you'd somehow read it on their face and their bodily expression and they're glancing over at a chest in the room that you never even knew was there before. Um, you know, like, 
it, it, sometimes I feel like sometimes I feel like it's a cheat to like know that kind of thing when your character potentially might not um know that there, there isn't any context clues given it away it's just like players like can I insert check everybody because that's what they do they want to know who the big bad is right at the start of the campaign you know like that kind of stuff but other times when they do it I'm like oh this is a sweet way to pass on information that they really struggled to know otherwise and actually will be quite helpful for them for the rest of their campaign to know this but there's just no real way that they would unless they I don't know went poking around all on their own you know so so I don't know I guess it like I I feel like insight checks can be good can be bad can be overused can be underused maybe I should do a whole episode on insight checks because clearly I have a lot to say about them but um yeah yeah sometimes I feel like they're a cheat um okay what you're gonna hear next is a couple of calls from uh Jason and Joey about the wrath of the righteous uh game and my call-ins either to Joey's show or what I've said previously um, before about it. Um, there's a bit of a, you know, hiccup that occurred basically when I wasn't paying attention at the start of the last Wrath of the Righteous session. I was reading um, Petty O'Toole's character sheet because I was going to be playing it for the day. That's Woody's character. And um, I just really wasn't clicked in with what was happening. And when I did click in, I just kind of followed suit and stuff and what was happening because I was like, oops, it's my turn. Okay, we're attacking. We're doing this thing. I do my turn. I try and move efficiently. I try not to be that player who's like taking up a million hours of everybody else's time by being like, "Mm, what's happening? Um, So I was annoyed at myself and not having not paid attention. So I just had my turn really quickly, you know. Um, So this is really on me, but um, Joey and Jason are providing a little bit more context as to why uh, the bad guy might have not been looked at as surrendering and uh, yeah. And then what you're going to hear directly after is Haven's Diary. Now, I... I will let you guys decide for yourselves whether I decided whether Haven even noticed. Um, So you can listen to Haven's diary entry and see if it even makes a feature or not Uh, because of the call-ins and the way that the the things that Jason said make sense. So, yeah, uh, I'll leave it up to Jason, Joey, and Haven. Bye. Hey, Jules, so I talk about it some in my episode, but I just want to make it clear that what Haven would have heard is one of the mongrel men saying in Husilla, the main bad cleric, the main bad cultist voice, uh, saying, I've killed your leader and his harem. Now you are mine. That's that's all Haven would have heard. They, the mongrel people, the first of the clan of the bat, they never said, we give up. We don't want to fight. They never put down their weapons or anything so haven you did not play haven wrong there not at all anyway i gotta finish listening to the episode so i can tell you which way i want to vote hey jules jason here i just wanted to call to say i'm very sorry about the wrath of the righteous game i i mean i was kind of paying attention i heard joey say what he said but I, I guess the meaning got past me because when they spoke in the, the voice 
in her voice and the mongrel men had not spoken common before I, I don't know for some reason in my head it clicked that that she had jumped into the into the body of the mongrel man and was mocking us and and was saying that they were our masters and we so I, I thought the fight was still on. I did not realize they were trying to surrender. I did not pick up on that at all. And, and that's why the, the monk went into battle. So, yeah, I, I failed you there. And, and I'm sorry. The Diary of Haven and Ahira Lewis, 19 Aridus. It was good to be back in the Clan of the Frog. Honestly, I wasn't sure I'd see it sleep again other than the deep sleep of forever. I was so tired in the middle of that fight with the clan of the bat that I could barely move. Without the help of Subin with his spells and Nyx helping me lift a potion into my mouth and Petty, Randor and Horgus fighting so well, I may have perished forever. Master Conrad always spoke about the importance of trusting the man next to you to keep the fight, but now I understand what he means. I in turn fed a potion of health to Randall when he collapsed on a crate. This crusade is less about killing and more about staying alive and keeping those around you safe. I will work harder to defend them in honour of their help of me. That may be easier now as well with the help of Yaniel's scimitar that we found. Well, we think it's Yaniel's by the letter on Hasilla that we found. Yeniel is a paladin of the Second Crusade. She entered the world wound on her own, against all advice, and like a true hero of the light, came out leading survivors. She went in once more to try again, but only her lightless body and the sword survived. Hazilla was delivering the sword to be corrupted, but we've managed to intercept it. It seemed to speak to me, to reveal its true form, and once I laid a hand on it, I knew it wanted me to wield it. A curious feeling, but ultimately I feel sure that it's the right thing to do. It certainly seems to be lucky as we have found much treasure and magic items since its discovery. We also discovered a maze in the place of the way out, and with how tired and spent we feel and how we'd left our fellow survivors behind, Nyx convinced us to return to the Clan of the Frog before entering. I am glad to have Aravashniel and Anivia back with us again. I have many questions for any of you about her wife and her sword, but having Malorn along gives me a sour feeling. I understand and approve of her bringing him to justice above, but the way he looks at us just gives me a bad feeling. I certainly won't be turning my back on him anytime soon. Luckily, we're making good progress to the surface, or I think we are. And the others are still keen to return to see what lives and what there is up there still. August especially. I admit to great curiosity about his haste. What drives his single-mindedness? Does someone wait for him? Does something wait for him? Whatever it is, it must be very important. My little pony, my little pony, what is friendship all about? My little pony, my little pony, friendship is magic. Okay, so into the real action. What you've all been waiting for, waiting through all of this other stuff to get to the ponies. I know, I know what you're actually excited about. (laughs) Okay, so... Let's recap 
because it's been a while since we left our ponies. So they saw a crazy big dragon and it was diving down towards them, dripping with saliva and its gaping jaws. And you could see the raging flame building in the back of its throat and you got scared. Well, some of them got scared. Um, and uh, then um, it was, you saw Twilight Sparkle and the Princess of Friendship from Ponyville and her close ha- hero friends known as the main six, you know, like pony, ponytail, main, you know, main six. I know. I love it. I love how many puns they have. Anyway, so the choice was to follow Princess Twilight and her friends or head back into town and get more prepared. Um because that was kind of freaky and maybe you didn't prepare enough you know I guess a lot of this depends on the choices that we've made previously as well as what we might make going forward you did actually already go to research in the library so maybe you feel like you've prepared enough um, but you didn't go shopping so maybe you want to go do that I don't know but you've all cast your votes in fact uh, Dusty is about the only one who didn't call in uh, Dusty actually voted for more preparedness because that was freaky, terrifying, and dragons are scary. Um, and just, you know, because they voted last time to duck um, for cover, but voted too late. Um, so they're like, oh God, I would have ducked for cover definitely, and now I'm going to definitely prepare more. So I think Dusty is playing a, a scared little pony. Um, but what has everybody else got to say? Well, I got a lot of calls, so I'll let them take it away. So Brian again, and I am very interested and excited that you're playing the My Little Pony role-playing game. Uh, the fun fact is uh, my son, who now plays D&D and has played a few other games, but mainly D&D with me, um, when he was younger, and if pressed, he probably still says he liked it, uh, he was a fan of the show and we watched the movie and uh, he's been a, a fan of a lot of, of things, I guess, similar to that magical animated shows so it's uh, it's pretty neat that uh that there's a role-playing game and you're actually uh, playing through it and i'll call with my recommendations but the last thing is uh i guess i now know enough to know that uh i saw a t-shirt once and i know there's a lot of funny kind of geek or or you know different uh genre or trope related memes but the shirt said this shirt just got about 20 percent cooler and, uh, yeah, I know what that means, and I actually think that's a pretty cool shirt. Brian, one last time for the ponies. So you may need to kind of caveat my vote, but my vote is to go ahead and follow uh, Rainbow Starlight and the main six. I think without a doubt. I know we're not ready. Uh, they're obviously a little bit more powerful. Lots we can learn from them. And to be honest, uh, I guess outside this game, I would think my pony has tons of questions for the ponies and probably would love to just be a part of any adventure they're on. So uh, you, you may need to caveat that because maybe that's a little bit too, uh, too personal or metagaming it, but that's what I would choose. Anyway, it's great that you're doing this. Um, uh, yeah, we, we made it to Brisbane over in Australia. So we got to figure out, especially with the time zone alignments, to get some, some games. Some, uh, at this point, online gaming. Maybe someday we'll get back over there. Who knows? Restrictions are lifting. Cheers. The pony char- player characters lose their spotlight if they just go off and effectively become sidekicks of uh, the princess and, and her entourage.
it's still be interesting to see. Uh, on the other hand, uh, taking a minute to recover from the uh, the fear of the dragon and, and um, let everybody get back to the adventure at full strength might also be a good idea. So I'm going to go with that, just because I, you know, if I was playing in uh, Forgotten Realms, I don't want to be following Elminster and Drist around. It'd be cool to see them as, as a cameo, but but I don't want to become a part of their adventure. I want my own adventure. So I think they should regroup and then come back later once they can make names for themselves as heroes. Hey Jules, Pink Phantom here. Uh, I think the problem with the last message was with my microphone because I was recording it at my computer and it's been acting crazy. But it looks like it's recording on my phone here. So what I was saying was that if the Legendary Six think it's so important to, to really follow this dragon, then we should too. And it may not give us time to prepare, but you know we're very capable ponies. So we should be able to handle things. Hope this works. Hey, Jules. So my vote is to follow Princess Twilight Sparkle and the Six to see where they're going. Maybe we can back them up or see how heroes do things. If they lead us to the cave, then, you know, we kind of have some information on how we can help uh, calm the dragon. So I would say let us follow them. Let us be bold, take action, and follow them. Okay, Jules, I think the ponies are going to follow the princes and, and, and the hero ponies. I, I think they're going to just fall in line and, and run right after them. So, that's my vote. Oh man, another tough choice. Another tough choice. I'm, I'm very conflicted on this one. My heart is saying one thing, but my brain is saying t'other. So my brain is saying, go back to town. That dragon is huge. We can find some new item or some new piece of information. But my heart, my heart is saying Twilight Sparkles, the most goth pony in all of Equestria. And I got to follow my heart to Twilight Sparkles. It goes. Well, you heard them, folks. Majority always rules here on Jules from NZ, and that is a clear majority for follow Princess Twilight Sparkle and the main six. All right, so here we go. Making a snap decision, you decide to race after Princess Twilight and her friends. You have to see what's going on for yourself. Unfortunately for you, they move very quickly. Rainbow Dash is gone in an instant, soaring high into the sky somewhere up ahead. But even those on the ground are difficult to keep up with. You get the impression that these ponies are used to running into danger. It takes all of your effort, but you do manage to keep up with the princess to the outskirts of Van Hoover, staying a short distance behind them so you don't draw attention. But from the edge of Van Hoover, you follow them across the lower foothills of the Unicorn Range, but unfortunately you're at your limits. You have to stop and catch a breath after a short time running through the hills. While you're resting, you see the princess and the others disappear somewhere up ahead. It doesn't take long for you to recover, and soon you decide to set off again. Up ahead, the terrain changes, then rises and falls, becoming steeper as the peaks and troughs of the mountainous unicorn range get closer. Getting closer, you find yourself at the boundary, between a forested valley that cuts into the mountain range and a slope path that leads higher up towards the peaks. You stop to survey the scene for a moment. 
You can hear shouting coming from the valley ahead. It sounds like Princess Twilight and the others are shouting to each other. Crash! All of a sudden, you hear a familiar bellowing and the beating of great wings. Trees are ripped out by the roots and thrown into the air. The dragon appears from the tree line in the valley. It breathes a bout of flame into the air and roars again, the sound shaking the air and ground around it. It seems like Princess Twilight and the others are right in the action. Perhaps they're trying to confront the dragon directly? You don't want to get in their way. And from what you know of the dragon, you assume its lair is on the top of the mountain. If the princess has the dragon distracted, perhaps you can sneak into the lair and help find the solution to the dragon's rage. On the other hand, seeing these six ponies and the dragon facing off makes you feel a little more than out of your depth. Perhaps you'd be of more use helping out ponies in Van Hoover. Maybe Twilight has got this? Question mark? So, ponies, what do we do? If we head up the mountain towards the dragon's lair, we're turning to section 34. But if you think Twilight has totally got this and you want to head back into town, turn to section 63. What will you ponies do? Can't wait to find out. And that's a wrap on this episode of Jules from NZ. It's been a long one. Thanks for bearing with me. Uh, Thanks for (laughs) basically listening to my uh, rambling mess of what I got up to, um, you know, researching and and playing. and, And, oh, my God, I still have so much to tell you about and so much to share. Little secret, Joey and I have been secretly recording an awesome project that we're very excited to share with you shortly, soon, probably before the next episode comes out next week. Um, I may have to do uh, some side episodes, so maybe you'll get more content from me. Fun! Um, Because we're very excited to share with you what we've been doing coming up. He may have even already talked about it, but I'm not going to, so you're just going to have to wait. Um, I want to say a big, massive, huge thank you to the call-ins that really make this episode what it is. So thanks to BJ from Arcane Alienist, Brian from Have to Look That Up, Jason from Nerds RPG Variety Cast, Joey from Hindsightless, Pink Phantom from No Podcast, as far as I can figure, but Pink Phantom, how's about that? Finally heard you probably. Thank you for calling back in. I appreciate you. And Kyle from GMologist Presents, of course. I'm, I love all of you for calling in and engaging. It just really makes my day to wake up to messages and stuff. So thank you. Please keep engaging. I love it. Um, I want to say a big personal thank you to my Jules from NZ Gems who keep this podcast ticking. So that's James, Jason, Barry, Laren, Ezekiel, KP, and Joey. Thank you very much for uh, your kind donations for Patreon every month. If you'd like to support this podcast, you absolutely can. You can find Jules from NZ on Patreon um, and for as little as a dollar a month you can help me keep the lights on so I very much appreciate all of you for doing that. Um, if you're enjoying listening to Jules from NZ how else you can help is give the show a review on the platform of your choice, share it with a friend um, listen to it in the car with somebody else, force them to listen it all helps you know <laughs> um, you can find me on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and YouTube and a bunch of other places um, check out Fate of Eisen, check out Dice 
Triceratops. Check out Questbook if you're looking to hire a DM. I am totes hireable to run games. So um, other than that, ennohora, kakite ano, aroha nui. Goodbye, see you again soon, and I love you loads. Mwah! See you next time. Goodbye, goodbye, goodbye.